Oh, it's special Game 7 edition of Bring It In. David Thorpe, Drod Hector, how's everybody doing? Better Nuts. Than Better than Perfect. Perfect. I'm feeling like electric- electricity. <laughs> All right. So I, I'm going to come right out with, I'm not saying this to make fun of the of the commentators, but um, we watched amazing, amazing. Uh, let's start with talking about the Celtics beating the Bucks Early in the game, the commentators talk about this Pat Riley quote, which is rotate eight, uh, trust five. Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy love this idea that we're going to trust a short list of players. Um, and then by any analysis, I think the sixth or seventh or eighth most valuable Celtic player who's unguarded uh, wins the game by taking 18 threes. Um, and it's just like, this is how team basketball works now, right? It's not about trust five. No, it's about, can you trust 150? Then you're probably going to win. <laughs> well, they would argue that he's a starter. So maybe he is in the top five, but I am on your side. Uh, why, why can't you trust more guys? Like what's wrong with you? You have all season to develop a trust in these guys. And, and now you decide come play after what matters most. Everyone sucks, but these five dudes, that, that's a terrible way of, that's a just ter- terrible outlook. I hate it. Well, then, as you pointed out, the Celtics well, had know. a Brown game, a Tatum game, a Horford game, and a Williams game. There's no way all those fuckers are in the top five. Like, mathematically, you know, it's some kind of Tatum, Brown, Smart, Time Lord, Horford, White, Grant Williams, Tice, Peyton. Like, there's, like, like they're, they're not all in top five, right? Um, yeah, I, I, we did this story, a published story on Saturday about how the Heat got more out of Gabe Vincent than other teams would have. They gave him a two-year plan, <laughs> and he, like, became an irritant on defense and a combo guard when he used to be the UCSB gunner, right? A guy coming off screens, playing off the ball, just shooting. And they led him through this whole thing. We talked about um, fundamental attribution error, which Wikipedia says is the tendency for people to underemphasize situational and environmental explanations for an individual's observed behavior while overemphasizing dispositional and personality-based explanations. So to me, this is what we do in basketball analysis. We're like, you know, Jason Tatum is electric magic from outer space and everyone else is trash. And it's like, well, Grant Williams is open and that's important. And that's how you win games is getting more shots from open dudes. Right. Um, anyway, I, I think I've made my opening point here, but a lot else happened in that you, game. What else did you, you guys see? You, you took out the most important, you forgot the most important quote, Henry, that I called you about, that the title of that piece, right? He poured everything into it, right? All that lovey-dovey crap you all talk about. But it matters, right? We're seeing that now. All these teams that are doing well, it's not about five guys. It's about eight, nine, 10, and 11, right? Henry, you talk about it all the time. Sure, you need tens. Everybody knows that. Talent matters. But it's the best organizations and not just sports. You got to turn twos into fours, fours into sixes, right? Like That's how you get better. And, you know, most teams either don't have the disposition, time, or the structure to do that. Well, I think we're remember, they also sorry, said this. They, they also said, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it was this game, where you, you, they were praising a guy for, say, like Derek White, when they go onto the screen, you got to shoot it. And Mark Jackson, in his own infinite wisdom, said, uh, you know, I tell them, uh, you got to take that shot until I take you out. Well, these guys know they're about to get benched if they miss. That only adds to the pressure of having to make it. They already want to make it desperately. It's what they do for a living. But you're discounting everything else that they are possibly doing well. If they were doing those things bad too, why are you playing them? But let's assume that because you're in the game, even though they're missing shots, the other things are going well. And we also know that just because you've been missing doesn't mean you have to continue to miss. 
Like there, there are percentages that we can look at. And if they're not very good shooters and you're still playing them, well, let's assume you're doing it because they do a lot of other things really well and help your team. But you are now saying as a coach, if you're failing at this one thing, eh, you're gone at some point and, and just embrace that and digest that. And now go make shots. Thanks, coach. Appreciate it. That's <laughs> when you guys like, are on the sideline. It's awful. I would say like, like, you know, catch me on this, but listen to every single shred of studio and broadcast analysis from both channels as the next two rounds unfold. And practically every point everyone will make will be the star needs to take the shot. We need to get the ball to the star. The yep. star needs to do everything, right? Well, the Bucks have Giannis Antetokounmpo, and nobody's ever really solved him, right? The Celtics did a great job of making it a little tougher, but he still set all-time records for performance in a series, right? Like, right. The star was did everything. The star did everything, and they got their ass handed to them. Well, it's a little riddle that we can unfold, or we can just look at the last fucking 20 years of data, <laughs> which are screaming that, like, wide-open Grant Williams is a better bet than triple-teamed Giannis, right? It's just like, this is what wins. This is It's not... Doesn't win every time. Nothing wins every time. But this is the trend of how we're going to shift from how we used to just do it before we knew how things worked to how we're going to succeed more in the future. But Henry, you talk about this all the time, right? This is this is the narrative that works and how we tell story. The hero narrative is a narrative that everyone understands, right? Like yeah. it's just easy. Oh, we win because Superman comes and saves the day, not because of all the other million things that Lois Lane and all these other people did. Uh, who's the little newspaper boy, Jimmy, whatever his name is. All those people doing things behind this, that's part of the thing that helps you win. Yes, Superman right. stops the asteroid eventually, but he can't get to the asteroid if you don't have these other things happening. Yeah, it's a trick. Well, I look feel like at, everyone wants to, to believe whatever they want to believe. But like, by that analysis, the people who win blackjack get aces, right? Like, oh, got an ace, you know, winner. Yeah. Like, yeah, that that <laughs> often works. But like, if you want to get your ass handed to you, just believe that, right? But like, if you want to win now, okay, so like, we grew up watching Michael Jordan where it really the week was different, right? It was the case that like, just having like a hero surrounded by also Rans could be the best player, the best team, right? We're just not in that league anymore. Now you got to beat freaking these yeah, guys, who, the people who did figure out how to get the most out of Gabe Vincent. You got to beat them now, right? So like, you know, you're just not going to do it with your with what they're saying in these studio shows. Like, you're just, it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Sorry, David. I totally well think about think about. The, I watched I watched three game sevens this weekend. Uh, start naming the stars of the two basketball games that, that uh, in these particular games, you've got uh, Grant Williams, as you talked about, you've got Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson, both scored 20 plus yesterday, of course, with a blowout. And then the Lightning pull off a game seven upset on the road in Toronto. And the guy, they won two to one. The guy that scored both goals had no goals in the playoffs. <laughs> they added him at the trade deadline. I, I think his last name is Paul, but it's not Chris Paul. And uh, I could be wrong. And he was a hero for one game. But this is what winners do. They just keep, like, like I said with the Celtics, they have four different guys. Now, again, they're all starters. But there's very few teams that have four different starters that star in any one game. Uh, and, and obviously, and they've got a world-class player now in Tatum. And Jalen Brown is not far behind. But those guys alone weren't enough. We know this. Yeah. They weren't enough. And... Milwaukee was missing their second best player and they did not play well uh, in, in most of their guys. Just didn't, Drew wasn't a servant up late in the game. Drew started taking some threes and I just thought, oh, Drew, it's too late, buddy. Like you're not going to suddenly get hot. That's not a strategy. You needed to be more assertive all game long. 
you can't just suddenly manufacture it too late. Now, I also think it was a situation where they ran out of gas and talent. I think, I think Giannis, I, I tweeted this. I saw Giannis two different times in the game. I love this, by the way. This is not a, a drag on, you, on Giannis. It's the opposite. Twice in the game, he missed a, a shot he normally makes. And for a moment in time, he just jogged. For one moment. You, like, he didn't land in race. He landed and just jogged. And then it's like he realized, oh, fuck, it's game seven. And he made himself run as best he could down the court. I was so proud of him for that. Because most guys wouldn't even do that. As tired as this guy was. And the shots, I could, again, it, it, you've been around as long as me. I don't see a lot. I don't see everything. But I tend to see fatigue pretty well. And I saw it. That's why I tweeted what I tweeted. And I think he made two shots the rest of the game. He just was what dead. Did you tweet? And then after the game, he admitted Everything was heavy, I think you said. <laughs> Everything was heavy. Um, the Celtics just were better. The Celtics just made him do more and, and bought the Bucks With Chris Middleton and no Robert Williams, I think Milwaukee wins the series. With Chris Middleton and Robert Williams, I think Boston wins the series. This is the way shit goes. Boston apologizes for nothing. They wore the champs down. It took seven games, but they fucking did it. And they're moving on because of it. Credit to the team, not just any one or two players. There's a part where the Bucks are losing badly, and Jeff Van Gundy's like, "Well, if the Bucks have anyone on the bench who can maybe add a spark offensively, like now be the time to like." So this is like when you're shopping. Like, let's say your parents say you have like you know three bucks to spend on vacation or whatever, and you're a little kid, and you're like in the gift shop, and you're like, "Ah, oh, these are stupid little agates or whatever. I don't want that. I don't this candy, not that great." But they have a little thing called a grab bag, which is a little brown paper bag, and it's stapled, and it's three bucks, and you don't know what's in there, like. That's a shitty, shitty strategy, right? You're not getting something good. This is the yeah. trash they don't want to sell. They make you overpay for it, right? Like Jeff Van Gundy's advocating the grab bag approach to bench scoring, right? It's like, well, Jeff, like I don't know if this is just bullshit you're trying to sell us because when you have a real job, you'll do an, use an actual strategy. But like what other teams are doing, like the team the Bucks are losing to right now is like develop that for years. Build the confidence of a bunch of people from the G League and lower draft to pay, whatever. So that you know exactly who, what play you're going to run for which guy so that we can get our, the bucket that we want, right? This isn't just like grab well, bag offense. That's not winning. <laughs> right. But, but the smarter thing for an analyst would, would say, which is what I was saying on the bench uh, from my living room, not on the bench, from my office was, can somebody please guard Grant Williams? Can we <laughs> guard him? Wouldn't that be a good idea to guard him? He's clearly been empowered to shoot it every time he's open. He's letting it fly. Guard him, please. And then adjust. Like, that's what they should have been saying all along. Why? I understand why Milwaukee plays the way it play, has played. It's been enormously successful for them. But in the playoffs, you, you can't just stick with ideology. Phoenix learned that lesson, too. No, you got to make some adjustments. And one of them is to guard the guy that's raining threes down upon you. And he isn't Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. It may fail. In other words, what you might do to take Grant Williams away might end up resulting in a three or a two from someone else. But you at least got to make him do something different. That's whack-a-mole. But that, that is how you have to play defense in the NBA sometimes. Whack it. See what happens. I'll, I'll tell you what, Dave. I've seen a bazillion NBA games. I mean, the majority of times, some, uh, someone in the Grant Williams role, someone who's never scored more than 25 points in a game or whatever, has a little period in the third quarter where they go like, you know, five of seven from three. And then their own team shuts it off, right? Because what happens is the yeah. star checks back in the game, and this guy never shoots another three. Like, all credit mm -hmm. to Ime Udoka and the Celtics and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, yep. 
for yep. it's not common yep. that Grant Williams gets eight. The Grant Williams figure here gets 18 threes. That just doesn't happen very often. So let's let's go all the way back to the beginning of the season when Marcus Smart says mm-hmm. Jalen and Jason are really good. What they have to realize is in the end of the game, it's not just about them getting the score. It's about you can get your teammates involved, too, and we can win games, right? And the Celtics had that rough start, and they were under 500, and all of a sudden, right, Ime's empowering them. He calls them out and says, yeah, you guys can do your thing, but you got to get your teammates involved. Now, look, Grant Williams, again, empower him. That's the Royal Jelly Coach talks about, right? Like, he's out here shooting threes, and it's wonderful. And in Game 7, back to your point, Coach, about Bud, I get your ideology, and it works. You won a championship off of that. But this is Game 7, my guy. Like, if you lose this one, you're going home. Like, you have to do at least for a minute, do something different and yep. see if it works. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so going back also, we published a story, Henry edited it for me, um, for us, where Jason Tatum was struggling. And uh, everyone's saying, trade him, break up the Dwing duo. And I had no idea what the answer was. So I just watched the games. And I said to Henry, I think these shots are great. He's just missing them. I have no idea why, but just keep playing. And to, to your point that at that time, you could not find that analysis anywhere at that time. Like everybody was yeah, like, nobody said that. Everybody's like, break it up. They're terrible. Right. Whatever. He just was missing shots. And, but to Mark, to your point, Marcus and Ime, who also made the decision to change their defense. Um, they challenged him to be better than just a shot maker. He, he's always been, I mean, come on. He's, it's not like he doesn't pass the ball, but the Celtics now play fucking gorgeous basketball. Oh my God. Do they ask our editor, Travis, like, I could pick a lot of possessions by Boston. Number, they shoot early threes, which is great. I love the way they're attacking. They're, they played the Bucs the way Pop had the Spurs attack the Heat. We talked about this after game one. Let it fly before their defense really gets comfortable with us. But at the same time, don't force it. If they race out great, which Milwaukee does that really well sometimes, move it, move it, move it. They're, it's just beautiful to watch. It's nice to have two assassins. I mean, that's the thing is they've got – that's why I favor them to beat Miami is they've got two. Miami has one. Jimmy Butler is unbelievable. As good as anyone in the playoffs right now, both ends, Jimmy Butler. But they've got two of those dudes, and they play the was right the way. End? One through eight. Hmm? Was it the end of the second quarter? I forget. There was a moment where, like, like Jason Tatum had been amazing. Giannis had been amazing. And then there's at the end of, I think, the second quarter, yeah. they're like, Jalen Brown's like, don't forget me, and just like bullied all the way to the rim and scored an easy two. Yeah. I forget. I was like, oh boy, that, they kind of have a Giannis he, too. He's, <laughs> like, right, yeah, right. He's so good. But <laughs> hey, so on this same subject, there there's a whole bunch of coaches, not named Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy, but they're just like them that would have benched Derek White a long time ago. Yeah. That dude can't score right now. I feel for him. It, when he makes a three, you want to throw a parade. At a relief, like, oh, thank goodness he made a shot. But he's doing a bunch of other really good things. A bu- that's why he's on the floor for a team that's now in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's really good. He just is struggling to shoot the ball. His plus minus early in the series was among the very best. I forget what it was, but like he, I yeah. was like, wow, without scoring, he's, he's doing something right. Um, they, the Celtics have two apex predator wings right yeah. in tatum and brown and that's the, that's the league right you the many as many of those apex predators you have you're just way better than everybody else and this is the league right now right the league is it's not a lebron kd league anymore right it's Giannis, it's tatum it's luca like these are the dudes now like and you know if they're able to get their teammates to 
elevate at a high level. Like this is the future of the league. It's not going to be all right. Let's surround LeBron with like four. Nope. That you're not winning. I mean, I look. Anything can happen. I doubt the Lakers and LeBron win another title ever again. Like I just, they're just not in that position right now, right? Like unless AD morphs into Giannis, you know, and never gets hurt and does all those things. But that's not a strategy, right? That's just hoping that that nothing happens and we're all good. It's just fascinating to watch the league evolve like in real time, right? Like we're seeing it. Yeah, that whole yeah. generation. No, I think you're exactly right. I mean, yeah, I don't think so. Well, LeBron can win all the title if he plays the PJ Tucker role somewhere. <laughs> He'd be amazing that. at it, by the way. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> he's I, agree. He's not gonna do I'm that. not arguing with you. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. there are championships for him. He'd be a fine $5 million a year player. And he, listen, he had an amazing season when he was healthy this year. But um, is he will, is, he's going to be reluctant, I think, to give up the control that he always has. Uh, uh, wait, we don't, what's about LeBron? Uh, let's focus on Boston a little bit more. Uh, I, I really want to praise the job Ime did because Ime, uh, he coached those, that team up. He coached those guys up. Um, there used to be a saying, uh, you, I may have said this before to Henry, they used to say about Bear Bryant, he could take his in and beat Urine, and he could take Urine and beat his in. But that's, as a young coach, like that was a big deal for me. I, I want to be that guy. Guys, I think Spolster is that guy, but I think Yudoka is too. I think he, there is a sternness about him, but also a, a connective talent where I think his guys believe him in the way that I think Phoenix believed in Monty too. Uh, but M.A.'s got a little bit more of um, a little fucking tough ass in him. I think, and, and he's not afraid to say it. Like he challenged those guys early this year. And I think it helps to have Marcus Smart be his uh, sergeant at arms. That, you know, it's funny. The, people love to trash his so-called flopping. I get that. But say it to his face. Like, they, <laughs> pound for pound, he's as tough as there is in the league. This, and he, Henry was telling me this morning, that, that crash he had where literally, tell me if I'm wrong, I think his jaw landed straight on the ground. His jaw. Forget about his whole body, which was, I mean, I saw him grab his, we call it a puppet in Yiddish, like his stomach, like, oh, but his jaw hit the ground and then he still played. My goodness. Then, well, I don't know, if, if you can Tough. find the footage, like Giannis shot free throws and that, you know, Giannis is in perfect focus but behind him, behind him is Marcus Smart 30 seconds later. And he's just, he's doing the thing you do with your eyes where you're like, almost like a goldfish, you know, where you're just like, 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 am I, is this yeah. the world? Am I here? Like, I would not be, uh, I actually, I, I wrote. <laughs> A story years ago when the NBA launched his concussion protocol and I interviewed their expert at the University of Michigan and like the idea is like if you have a, an evident blow to the head on the NBA court, um, the NBA gave itself a big victory lap for how safe they were going to be. But people get whacked like this dude fell from the top of the Empire State Building onto his face on international TV and nobody checked his that. Nobody checked him out. He may well have been concussed, right? His face was just like my bell got rung, right? That's the look he had. And they just like, I hope he's okay, you know? <laughs> I hope he's okay. He, he, had, he had a couple more bad falls yeah. in this game, too. Like, he was just... We I we take that guy for granted. Well, he's like... <laughs> oh, I, I think... Well, to, to going back to the original point of trusting five, it's, it's such a... I mean, I feel so bad, by the way. I felt so bad for all those guys, those coaches, players, who, who weren't starters. Like, really, Coach? I gave you seasons for Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, and you never trusted me? Like, what do I, what do I have to do to earn your trust? So, yeah. of the four guys uh, that I, you know, the Horford game, Williams game, Brown game, Tatum game, those are four starters in this playoffs anyway. Smart was your fifth guy. 
Are you saying you don't trust anybody else? They played important minutes. The other guys, we, you know, Tice, you know, Time Lord didn't really play at all, which is good for Boston. They were to get through without him. He's a very, very important player. Remember, Miami's a way better shooting team than Milwaukee and less reluctant to shoot them. And they're going to have to guard those threes and still protect the rim. Having that second big do that, especially when like Robert Williams, their best shot blocker, is very, very helpful. But I thought there was a period of time yesterday where Peyton Pritchard was huge. Huge. Mm-hmm. He just made some tough fucking threes when, when the game was not over. And as you guys know, you, you got to step on next. You got to get that 20-point lead because now you got the clock and that margin in your favor. But if at 12, anything can happen. This is, the, this oh, is Giannis, yeah. right? This is the champions. And Peyton was like, ah, I got it. And I'm empowered to shoot it. I don't think twice about it. And then Derek White made a corner three. And neither of those guys are starters. And that's the lesson we're talking about here. It, it's the empowerment for them, right? I think I saw the quote somewhere where Pritchard, after hitting the three, was heard yelling, this is what I do now. Yeah. Right? And, exactly and it's like, I saw it live. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he's feeling like that and he's Peyton Pritchard for crying out loud, like, I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, these guys all like... worship at the altar of Jordan. Hold on. They, they all worship at the altar of Jordan. And we know Dean Smith said to Michael Jordan that freshman year against Georgetown, knock it down, Michael. When they knew Georgetown, because they only played zone, they knew they'd swing it, Jordan would be open. There's still time on the clock. But he was empowered. From He was just a freshman then. He was a good freshman, but he was just a freshman. He was empowered. And then Jordan with Steve Kerr and Jordan with John Paxson before that. Like, this is the history of our game. Magic Johnson to Byron Scott. Larry Bird to freaking uh, Gerald Henderson. Come on. We're not playing one-on-one, two-on-two, or three-on-three basketball here. It's not hard to figure this out. Yeah, I think you want – I mean, how – if you're the star of a team that doesn't have Peyton Pritchard doing that kind of stuff, you're jealous, right? You're like, boy, they're so lucky that they have, like, their eighth, ninth best player is running down the court. It's an amazing three point. Saying, this is what I do now, right? Like, well, how do you get that, right? You don't get that. From one game, it's not from Peyton Pritchard just right. waking up with sparkles, right? Like, no, you got to build it, right? This is the this is leadership. This is winning <laughs> spirit. This is not sitting him down when he misses that shot six months earlier, right? This is like, you may and everyone saying like, no, no, young man, like, keep going, more of that, you know, get your name in the paper. Yeah, 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 and it's, but it's having that belief and that. That and when you're a coach, that it's okay if that happens, right? Like, and Henry talk about all the time, the incentives are misaligned, right? Coaches are constantly worried about their job. I'm gonna get fired. This is gonna happen. That's gonna happen. I don't want to get talked about bad on talk radio, and the internet's gonna roast me. And Stephen A. Smith and all this other bullshit. And it's like, but none of that actually matters, right? Like, yeah. Only if you allow, if only if you allow it to. And the best organizations don't. They're like, we don't let Stephen A. decide if we're gonna fire a coach or not, or whatever talking head does whatever they do. We trust our guys. And we're like, no, you're fine. Run the team how you see fit. I empower you. And that's at the top. It's leadership, right? You're not going to do well if your owner is constantly meddling every five seconds. Like, dude, you suck. Why isn't this happening? Like, if you hire someone and you think they're good, empower them, put them in an environment and trust them and allow them the opportunity to succeed. And that's what you're seeing happening uh, in Boston and in certain places. Well, we've been, you know, and we've been very worried for a long time about the, like, the lack of opportunity for black coaches and GMs, right? And like, and... Part of the reason I think it's been a slow progress in the NBA is that they have not found the right people, right? Like, Ime is brilliant, obviously, right? He's, 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 got the, he's saying the things that are actually going to win the game, A. And B, 
the players absolutely trust him, right? He called them out in the media and they didn't quit on him. They worked harder, right? That's not common. And so I feel like now, you know, Jason Kidd is going to be a similar right. story we'll talk about in a second. But like, I think we're getting into a little bit of a new thing where it's like, there are an infinite supply of super qualified, brilliant candidates for these jobs. And it's been a long time of kind of feeling around in the dark for who's got the big name or who's going to win the press conference. But it's like, no, hire the brilliant one. Like that's, that's the right answer. Right. And uh, well, let's switch, let's switch right on over to our other game seven with the Mavericks. But like, there was a little clip David talking about where, you know, Jason Kidd has, is mic'd up and he's talking as fat, like an auctioneer fast. Right. And he's basically just telling everybody how to guard Devin Booker, like, you know, 30 times in eight seconds, maybe <laughs> like, like, the Mavericks defense is how he's telling they one, become. He's telling one player. Yeah, he's telling one okay. player. Yeah, stay, home, stay home, stay home, stay home. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, I, I mean, we know this from watching the game. The, the Mavericks oriented their defense to just cutting off Devin Booker. Let's just, let's just shut him out as best we can and live with the result. And so in this particular sequence, as the ball is being moved, the, the natural inclination is to – uh, move towards the ball. We call it off and towards, off your man towards the ball. And he was reminding the guy guarding Booker, who I just forget the second who it was. It might have been Bullock. Stay home, stay home, stay home. Meaning, no, you just worry about this guy. You don't got to help on drives. You don't got to help on cuts. If the ball goes in the just stay with Booker. That doesn't mean hug him because then you get beat on what we call a face cut. But you, you so you got to get off a little bit. But your responsibility is this guy. That's it. And I love it. I think NBA coaches sometimes get too quiet arms folded, and they're just paid observers. I, I, now, you can't overcoach uh, uh, 82 games. You'll wear yourself out. Jason Kidd can never be accused of overcoaching, and I don't mean that in a negative way. But, boy, he coached his boys up last night, his team up last night, really, really well. Uh, they knew exactly what they were supposed to do, and Phoenix tactically really fucked up. And so before I forget, I know we'll, we'll move forward some with the Warriors. Just remember... I told this to Rod, I think, before air. The Warriors pass the ball way more per possession on average than the Phoenix Suns do. It's much easier to stay home on your guy and keep your structure of your defense when the ball is not moving fast. The Cuisinart is designed to get you spinning with them and you forget responsibilities. Uh, but I thought Jason and the Dallas Mavericks executed really, really well. And Phoenix, while had, having taken advantage of Aiton very well and their centers, in other games in the series, especially when they were winning. I mean, eight and score, I think 20 plus three different times in this series. I think that's right. Uh, he took five shots in the game. He took three shots like by halftime. The game was over already. They forgot what, how best to beat up Dallas's small defense. And, uh, and Jason Kidd looks like a genius because I think he was hoping they would. And on that subject, just real quick, if you remember, Henry, going back, Steph Curry realizing that first series against Cleveland way back in the day in 2015, uh, whatever it was, 2015 maybe, I don't have to be the hero. Let Iguodala be the hero. Let all the guys be the hero. When they double me or hedge me hard, I'm just going to pass it and live with it. I thought Phoenix didn't want to let Aiden be the hero. Their guards were selfish. Watch, watch their first quarter possessions, how many contested 16-footers and 18-footers they took. That's Dallas's defense and Phoenix's inability to tactically attack them correctly, I thought. Mm, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I mean, Dallas is, wait, is Dallas, David, you reached out to me in maybe February and you were like, maybe March. Um, 
They were like, you know, Dallas's defense, you basically Dallas and Boston are playing really good defense now. Later it became a big story that Boston's defense became excellent. But but you then were like, This is this is a shift. That something has changed. And if they're this good, then you know, it could be hard to beat them in the playoffs. And um, is it that their defense is that much better? Is this a just or is it you also said to me over the weekend, well, if it comes down to game seven, one team's got Luca. Um, you know, like help me divide these priorities <laughs> in my head. I you know. I did, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one to say that. That Luca. First of all, let's just quick timeout. Boy, those first few minutes. It, you don't, you don't have to win the first two minutes to win a, to win a game. Okay, game was over then. It's yeah, it's nice. And so as I'm watching the game, I'm like, all right, Phoenix, like you don't want it to come back. In fact, my son was in a was in a meeting. I, I, his team had a Zoom call, so he can't call me and he can't watch the game. But he texted me, which probably get him in trouble. But he texted me like, "What is going on?" <laughs> He must have seen the score. And then he wrote back before I answered, does Phoenix have a chance? This was first half. Does Phoenix have a chance? And I wrote back, no. This game's over. And I think Luca's first two minutes, like, boom. Contested to, uh, come on. He took a fadeaway 16-footer over Aiton to start the game. And then he had two threes. Some dumbass Suns fan who should be ejected for life was talking shit to him. I have no idea what that guy was doing. Wrong guy to talk shit to, okay? This guy lives for that. His Luca's bandwidth to deal with doubters is the same as Jordan's. This guy makes shit up. No one doubts you, Luca, but in his mind, everyone's doubting him. He's coming for everyone's neck. That's who he is. He was that way in Europe. Probably why too. Jordan signed him as a brand Jordan athlete. Probably why. He's like, I see a lot of me in that kid. Oh, I didn't even know that. Is that right? <laughs> Probably. Oh, that's good stuff right there. That's who this guy is. And um, I just thought, boy, if you could have someone to get you off on a nice, you know, 8-0 run, that's the way to do it. Uh, but to your point, Henry, what Dallas has done defensively is remarkable for one simple reason. Maybe two. One, they don't have any elite perimeter defenders uh, on the ball. Uh, as, as a one, I mean. I mean, like you normally start your best defense with a great point guard defender. That ain't Luka. And then two, they have no rim protectors. And yet, so here's what they're doing. They know exactly what they're supposed to do. Everyone plays balls to the wall defense except for Luka. Hair on fire, arms everywhere, active as hell. They're leaving early on closeouts. They're racing to spots. They're playing with purpose. You can't play with purpose unless you know exactly what you're supposed to do. That's coaching, guys. It's also high IQ. Don't get me wrong. Players deserve credit, but they're being told what to do and they know exactly. So when you're not sure, you don't race because you might be racing the wrong way. These guys are sure that's coaching. That's execution. They're doing it with smoke and mirrors. They're not doing it by trapping only. They're doing lots of different things. In this game, it was easy. Let's not let Booker go off. I thought Devin helped them a little bit the way he attacked and, and didn't attack. And, uh, and then with Luca, that, kept, that got everyone confident. And it's like Memphis with Ja. They, they know we got Ja, so it helps. And sometimes it carries over when he's even not there. I think Spencer Dinwiddie, boy, what a difference he made coming off the bench. When, when you just talked about Milwaukee looking for a guy, well, Dallas has one. <laughs> the Wizards had him, didn't think he was good enough for them. Boy, is he happy. Think about that. How happy this guy must be, right? And Brunson, too, is steady Eddie. I think at 24 in the game, I didn't even notice him. Like, you can't name a single basket he had right now, I bet. And I think he had 24 in the game, yeah, or maybe did. 20. Yeah. Now, Din Dinwiddie was great, a huge piece for them. Again, think about where he was two years ago, right? In Brooklyn, you're like, all right, I'm going to be there with these guys. I'm off the bench. And then it's like, nope, the ACL tears, and the Nets let him go in the, in the offseason. And it's like, man, could, could use that guy, right? And 
They were wondering the Mavericks. When is Dinwiddie going to go off and have a Dinwiddie game? Huh? He had it, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. got it in the most in the most important game. And I think in Game Sevens, when your superstar sets the tone like that, like that's the because we these guys aren't they're not automatons. They're humans. And for for Phoenix coach, I think your point was right. When Luca came in and blitzed them early, I think they were like, "Man, fuck, we are done tonight." <laughs> like, well, I, I just, they, they didn't really consciously think that, but it it ended up being that way. They had no fight. When they got, I mean, it's just like Devin Booker's at thirty three percent, campaign thirty five percent, Aiton thirty seven percent, Javale McGee forty two percent. Like no, like when everybody shoots badly, that's how you know you get a big blowout win, right? It it looked, I think the way we watch basketball looks like Luca's just unstoppable and he was on fire, and that's what the story was. But like um, they, I um, that moment when Luca, that was a big meme going around of Luca peering up at Devin Booker on the when they're about to box out for a free throw and he's just kind of like, ha ha, I got you or whatever. Um, it was 70 mm-hmm. to 53, I think with let's say four minutes left in the third quarter, like 70 points, no 70 to 30 something. Right. Um, 70 points. Yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. Isn't, 40 points. Yeah. 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 It's the, the, the 30s. And it literally think it was 39 points. Like the 30, 39 that's the is yeah, why you the got the blowout, that's the problem. right? Like 70 yeah. great. Yeah. 70 great. But that happens in NBA games at four minutes in the second half. All the time, right? It was the the thirty nine is like what the actual hell happened to the Phoenix Suns, right? That's the that's the five alarm fire, and to me, like that's the yeah. Uh, and even you know, like the they had the Mavericks did have like accurate things happening. You know, um, um, I, if I'm looking at their true shooting percentage on the team. Like a bunch of people were like, you know, Maxi Kleber, one point five, Trey Burke, hundred percent true shooting percentage. Dwight Powell, 100%. But nobody, 92%. Luca, sixth on the team at 83%. <laughs> like, you're going to win that game. So, you know, it was a little bit that. But, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. But they've done that. Just, but yeah. Henry, they did that a couple times. Yeah. They did that a couple times where they just shot the lights out. Well, when that happens, you got to press up your defense more, but you got to keep up with them and hope they don't keep shooting great. And, and that's what was shocking. Gerard started this show with me today. Like, what the hell? They couldn't stay connected. I, you know, just like Milwaukee, they ran out of steam. So Chris Paul really comes down to that. And this is where I think going forward, Phoenix has to play Chris Paul 20 minutes a game at most and, and, and limit him to 45 games. Like they just have to recognize that they, unless there was a hammy issue that we don't know about. But even then, it's to be expected at 37. You, cannot, you have to have a better strategy next year if you're Phoenix, if they keep Aiden, which you know, they should, unless there's a real problem there. But you cannot expect Chris Paul to play as much as he played this year as many minutes in the postseason, you, this is what's going to happen. They It was five games after game two when they were up 2-0 and Paul had that electric fourth quarter where they dissected the, the Mavericks. Like the stats out there somewhere. The rest of the series, Chris Paul, 19 made field goals, 18 turnovers, or I might have them flip. Something of that nature. So not good, right, essentially. And Coach, you talk about this all the time. Well, when you're great, the great days just happen less frequently, right? Like, and... He had a great game, too. And then since then, it was five just subpar games. And when you're 37, this is just the reality of life. Yeah. And you're, to your point, you know, I talked about Bridges as well. Like, Bridges looked awful in that series. And I'm not like, yeah. he's a bad player. He just looked gassed. Like, yeah. I was like, this guy's got nothing right now. And he played all 82 games, 41-plus minutes a night in the playoffs. It's like, this is this is the reality of what happens when you grind so hard in the regular season and then try to amp it up in an intense seven-game series. It's It's a lot to take on. Yeah, they're 
Chris Paul is obviously the most competitive dude in the history of the world. I hated seeing everyone get so excited about his losing. Like, like there's that tiny man. Yeah, so annoying. Who like is, is a tiny 37 year old man who's almost a wizard. He's all, he's just a couple of things he hasn't done yet, right? But he's just like he's been an absolute titan for a very long time. Like, yeah. just just say amazing job, right? Like he, nobody's perfect, but um, right. Right. But I think that it, it the, the schedule punishes super competitive people, right? Like, like you should not go hard a hundred times a year. Like your body can't take it when you're 25. Like let alone when you're 37, right? Like I just like to David's point, like someone's gonna have to cut him off because he won't cut himself off, mm-hmm. right? Like he's right. believing in his own. I, I may have competitive fire. Right. I may have told this story before on the show. Uh, I won't say the player's name now, but. I remember my brother Mike when he first was a, a became a team radiologist, and one of their players had to go in for like shoulder surgery, and they invited him to, to kind of watch it. It was his first first surgery really that he had been involved with as a radiologist, and they casted the players like arm and shoulder. And my brother knew that was not standard; he doesn't need a cast. And they said, "No, we have to cast him because if we don't, he'll be in the weight room tomorrow." Like you, you have got to protect these. These are your players. You've got to protect them from themselves sometime. And, and that's what a coach's job is, management's job. He's not going to sub himself in. If he doesn't, you have to trade him. It'll be someone else's problem. Uh, but, yeah, Chris Paul has value, but not late. He's just he's going to run out of gas. You've got to do a better job of that. Uh, I think, I think in, when I'm an old, old man, I'm just an old man now when I'm really old man, 20 years from now, and more people like Dr. Marcuselli and all these other people and people like you two guys are talking about it in the media – I think we'll have more of an acceptance globally that we just have to protect our players more. There are, they are, they are going to be in their sixties and racing to screens on TV on TNT. Like this is who they are. And, but we don't, we're not best served by uh, playing to that as heroic as it sounds. We're not best served doing that. And, and meanwhile, <laughs> Luca is going to be one of those guys. He, like he doesn't take offensive plays off for sure. But to your guys point earlier, uh, Jason Kidd's done a hell of a job getting him to think about defense. Like, you can't just be James Harden. And well, it, it's interesting. Off. It's interesting, Coach. We talk about, you know, Henry, and you said it's, you can't go hard 100 times a year when you're 25, much less 37. So thinking about Luca, right, came into the season out of shape, fat, like whatever. Like, how much of that beginning part of the season not being able to go hard is beneficial now late, right? Like, in essence, he's he kind of like meh, meandering around those first 25 to 30 That's the Andre Miller. Thing. Yeah, he does some Andre Miller. He, I think, I might do the first play or one of the first plays. Um, he's off the ball and he just has this kind of like doody do. Like he's not looking at the ball. He's not looking anywhere. And then he's like, oh, I guess, I guess I should get the ball now. And he kind of like, you know what I mean? He's kind of like has this like his heart rate is as low as any NBA players has ever been on the court. Where he's just like, oh, mm, maybe should I go to the grocery store? No, let's just score over Andre Aiden real quick, and then we'll go back do some other stuff, right? Like I just. Like, he's just like, Super mellow. Like, there's something about that which is going to age pretty well, I think. I'm, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, I'm telling you right now, if 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 we had a reporter on the ground in, in Dallas, I would ask him or her to ask Luca, where does this rank in terms of road wins for you? Not, not in terms of uh, the impact or value, but how hard it was because of the environment. He will laugh. Phoenix is a lovely country club community. <laughs> In that arena, this dude had batteries chucked at him. There's games in Europe where they're lighting fires in the stands because they're barbecuing. I'm not joking. Like what this guy has gone through in his career, 
Phoenix staying in a fire? I know where they stay in Scottsdale. Like, come on. This is fl- private jet, Mark Cuban, billionaire. Like, everything's first class. The fans are clapping and talking some shit to him. I mean, he's dodging urine bombs in Greece. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> this guy has seen it all. And uh, that's why his heart beats the way it is. Like, this is nothing, right? This is nothing. Yeah. It is, I mean, I think all that experience of winning the Eurobasket MVP as a teenager, you know, in a league among men, like the NBA conference finals or NBA final stages is not going to overawe him, right? Now, he may lose or play poorly in some games, but it won't be because, oh my God, I'm nervous at the moment, right? It's just, he might just play poorly sometimes. That's just, that's just the reality of it. But if you're looking forward, I'm looking forward to that series coach against the the Warriors because you said something interesting. The Cuisinart. Too hard to stop, right? Ball moving everywhere, zip, zip passing. All true. But the Warriors are also super careless with the basketball and turn yeah. it over a ton. For sure. It's a problem. No, you're exactly right, Ron. I've already had this conversation yes, with an agent for one of... What's that? Oh. <laughs> I didn't hear you, Henry. You keep talking. I'm just in my own little uh, world here. It's fine. I, <laughs> oh, um... I talked to an agent of one of the Golden State players today, and he's worried about that too, Gerard. He's worried about the turnovers, as they should. Speaking of turnovers, uh, Luca, did I say this? Luca averaged five a game the first five games and only had three combined in the last two. Uh, Golden State is top 10, I mean, eight in the league at forcing turnovers. Dallas doesn't turn over except for Luca. No one else does. It's really quite amazing. I think they were second in the league in the least amount of turnovers this year, and Luca was one of the kings of turnovers. So I think Golden State's going to try to target that against Luca. Mm-hmm. If they can't get Luca to turn it over, that's trouble for Golden State because that is one of the things. If you ever use a Cuisinart, up, shit gets outside the thing once in a while. Things are spinning sure around. Like, yeah, shit happens. That lid down. Yeah. They need to be – yeah, <laughs> right, right. They need to be a little careful, not, to, not too, too crazy. Um, but uh, but they also, I think they have be- they're better suited. Well, your point about Bridges is really great. And Phoenix switched screens. Golden State doesn't like switching screens. So I think they'll hard hedge him. I think they'll blitz him some. I did notice in one of their games in March, they employed a trapping zone, which I thought was very interesting and something, you know, a lot of zones, a lot of zone teams just pack it in and make you chuck it and then hopefully rebound. Uh, they were trapping out of it. And I think they should because they're, they're small. Uh, I think Kevon Looney, who had a monster game six with 22, 10 offensive, 12 defensive. He is a very, very, very underrated player, in my opinion. And he's going to get paid this summer, I think. Um, uh, I think he can guard Luca. He won't shut him down. He's just six foot nine and mobile and smart and really powerful. Uh, Gary Payton not playing, I think, is an issue if he doesn't play. So between Wiggins and Looney and Draymond to some degree and Clay, they've got more weapons to throw at Luca uh, to make it tougher on him. But he'll get the shot he wants because he's Luca. But you got to try to make him inefficient and maybe get five, six turnovers a game. And then I think Golden State has a good shot. I'd favor them right now. David, your pet project over these playoffs is that big men can do more. And we just talked about Aiton not getting much opportunity. And um, Hollinger wrote this story about space ball and how he's just having tons of three-point shooters. And you're saying, well, yeah, but you know, if you used Aiton, they might not have lost to a space ball team. We can talk more about that if you want. But, um, but I think my little pet project for years has been this rest thing. And they all come together in Looney, right? Like, Looney got benched because yeah. big men weren't cool for a while, but now he's coming. Now he's like fresh as a daisy, <laughs> right? Like, like yeah. he's going to be a big advantage. Yeah. It's going to be a big advantage. He's not going to have, he's no, not, he hasn't been taxed in this way. 
It's a great point, Henry. Um, and I'm with you on the rest thing. I, I, that's why I always played 11 a game in the first quarter when I was a coach myself. Like I, I've always been a big believer in that. Tired players tend to suck. It doesn't matter how good they are. And uh, Giannis, had, like I said, Giannis had two shots, I think, made the last X number of minutes because he, he missed layups. He was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Looney had to play because Golden State went big and started – I mean, Memphis went big and started smashing them on the glass, and then it, it paid off really well for them. And apparently, it's what the players wanted. Yeah, Draymond and Steph said, no, start, start Looney. Yeah, he's a core – people forget he's a core guy too. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a great series. You're, you're just not sweeping Luca. Like, he is here, and they're going to deal with that dude for a while. And, and I have to wonder, too, like, are they going to get Rudy Gobert? Because the a lot of the, 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 the Mavericks. Mavericks, a lot of people, oh. a lot of people think that Rudy's overpaid and blah, blah, blah. And I am not convinced at all that you can't win with a, a center like that. When you've got a guard, I mean, they won a ton of games in Utah. They didn't lose because of Rudy, in my opinion. Um, now, you may feel like he's overpaid. You don't got to pay quite that much, and I get that. I, I, I'd like to see you know, there's data on both sides on that. But I, I do think Dallas can be the number one defensive team in the league. Well, they pretty much were this year, the last part of the, their, them in Boston, without a shot blocker. But I think you'll see in the series, if, if, they're, if they're blitzing them at the rim, Golden State's blitzing shots at the rim against Dallas, because they have no one really protect the rim, I think you'll see them pivot to a shot blocker next year. Mm, that's very interesting. Um, is this that there's been some some chatter that it'll be a difficult series for Jordan Poole because he's small and maybe there isn't someone ready from the guard? Do you buy that? Yeah, well, uh, not because they're going to attack him with Luca. Because, like I said, the Warriors don't typically switch, uh, but Jalen Brunson will play bully ball with him. But that's what you should be doing. Jordan Poole is so good on offense. You should be going after him defensively when you have someone that can take advantage of it. That's why it's not going to be over in four. It's not, Dallas is no one-man team. So between Spencer and um, uh, Brunson, I think that they're going to go after Poole a lot. But uh, if you're going to say at least it's not Luka, doesn't mean they won't lose some of those games. They will. It's going to be a six- or seven-game series, I think. And, and let's face it, uh, Curry has not been shooting great for a while. Well, the Warriors as a team hasn't shot yeah. haven't shot the ball well from three. Like they're not what makes them so unbeatable is when Curry's shooting on volume and he's hitting 43%. He's in like the mid-30s, which on volume is fine, but it doesn't make them unbeatable like they were. And Clay, too, I, mean, I think they, we're gonna see a he needs to play one a game or two also. They should not have like the, the Heat and the Warriors just got all this rest and like I'm like Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, everybody who didn't get that rest, right? Like, they're, they're going to put that to great effect, I think. So you uh, think you did that, the, the extra game will be huge for both Miami and Golden State. Absolutely. Yeah, and Dallas, um, Dallas benefits from getting the extra. They don't play it on Wednesday. Boston's on a plane in the next hour or two. Like, that's brutal. Game seven against brutal. Giannis and Drew yeah. and that rugged team. Uh, they might they, they might they might get blown out in game one. That they, might happen. Or, or or Miami takes or just plays badly. The shit happens. But yeah, you would favor Miami more in game one. Uh, Timer coming back will be good, and uh, I think I think he'll be back in game one unless they say fuck it. Let's just really let him rest one more. Although I don't know if he was potentially available in game seven, you would think he'd be able to play game one two you know forty eight hours later, more than forty eight hours, like fifty some odd hours later. But um, yeah, I think Boston's the better team. But the fact that they're probably starting out 0-1 makes it a much tougher series. True or guys? false? 
They're getting IVs right now on the plane from Boston, the Boston plane. <laughs> Get, getting IVs in an ice bath. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I you know I, I think in that series I favor Boston because I think they should have I just like their versatility and their two apex players versus one. But potentially being already down 0-1, as you said, coach, the math just makes it harder. Now they've got a, only six games left to win four, right? So that might make and if they have a bad if you don't have that Grant Williams game, well, or Al Horford comes back to earth and is not shooting fifty percent from three, well. Now those games might be a little tougher, right? It's, it's these margins get super thin. Well, they'll guard, they'll guard the shooters on the perimeter, which will mean uh, Boston's going to have to attack the rim. And, uh, and they should. Like, they're, they're, you know, they're not Milwaukee. They don't have the, you know, Bam's a big dude, but he's six foot nine, And they don't protect the rim the same way Milwaukee does. And so Boston's going to go from shooting 55 threes in a game to maybe 30, 25, because Miami's going to probably guard them from three better. Although Miami gives up threes too. Um, I just think they'll guard them more, especially after what we saw. Boston blitzed Milwaukee from three. And I, I think Miami is thinking, we're not just going to let them shoot threes and expect they'll miss. They just beat Milwaukee by not missing. So they're going to make them do something different, I would think. So by the time you hear this, we will have published Jeff Fogle, who's like summarizing the collective wisdom of Vegas, which will be essentially that the Warriors are pretty heavy favorites, like in the neighborhood of 75-25. Um, against the Mavericks and that the Celtics are, I want to say like 60 ish percent favorites against the heat. Um, and David, you say you essentially agree. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I don't know that I would be as confident in Golden State as Vegas seems to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I favor the Warriors and, and the Celtics right now. You too, Gerard. I, so I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think right now I do. I think Celtics slightly. And again, I, I'm, I, I get the favoring the Warriors thing. But like, again, like they're, they're turning the ball over and not shooting well. Like, you're, like they're just you're not wrong. They're just right. They're, they're not. It's not. It, again, it, we also think our mind does this thing, Henry, right? Where we go back to, oh, this is back to like Dynasty Warriors. And I'm like, it's not quite that. Like, they're good. Don't get me wrong. But they're not quite that same team. Right. Like, you, and you can see it. Like, and so look, it. It took them a heroic fourth quarter performance and another game six clay and like, right, these, and again, that's Memphis without John Morant, right? Like it's, and you know, we love our Grizzlies here, but this idea that, oh, they're going to be able to, and look, you can argue, we always, I mean, even though we don't believe in 1987 theory on basketball here on this show, best player generally tends to win the series more often than not. Well, Dallas can say that they have the best player, like, right? You can say Luca is the best player in the series, which means they got more than a chance. Oh, they've definitely got a chance. I, when we were in the car yesterday and we were talking about NBA basketball and, you know, this game seven coming up and who's going to win. And, you know, David's kind of in my head with like, well, oh, David's got Luca, right? And, um, and I'm like, well, you know, usually the best team wins, right? Like, uh, if you look at the big, you know, and I was like, the Suns have been the best team in this basically for two years. They've been the best team in the NBA, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, like they're probably going to win. And then, uh, you know, so now I find myself saying, well, I think the Warriors are a better team than the Mavericks. But that was something I said yesterday and looked really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. If Curry ends up being the best player in this series, then the Warriors fine. are definitely winning. Right? I mean, we're all waiting for that Steph Curry. I, 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 I'm waiting for that Steph Curry, the guy that just gets nuclear. I, I, if I, I don't know him, but I wish he wouldn't take nothing but the toughest shots ever. 
I wish he could find ways to get easier shots and get himself rolling. Um, because when he misses, uh, uh, Dallas can run if they want to. Dallas played faster uh, than they normally like to do. Um, I think I think that uh, Jason's going to – I think Kidd's going to recognize we don't turn the ball over except for Luka, and they turn them over a lot. And so getting a pace game might create even more opportunities to score easily. And so um, I just like to see Curry a little more disciplined, make it easier on himself a little bit. Did you – you know, Henry, you're, you always talk about the psychological aspect of the game and the different effects it has on teammates. I was thinking back to that Warriors-Grizzlies series in game six, right? We know Warriors pulled away late in that fourth. But if you guys were watching that game, did you sense how nervous the Golden State crowd was? Like, they were just like, man, it's getting... And every time the Warriors had the ball on offense and they missed, it was like, oh. And then it just got super quiet. Like, damn, we don't know. And there's a way in which when Curry's bombing the 40-foot threes, not only does the crowd get super amped, everybody on the on the team... like. And when that's not happening, I'm wondering if that is like a, has the reverse effect. It's a superpower when it's working, but when it ain't working, it's like, oh shit, maybe we don't have it tonight. Just something I thought about. Yeah, no, when, when what you're betting on is, is superhuman performance, right? Is basically now you're, instead of calling the police, you're calling Batman, right? Like when you need Batman to show up to win and then he doesn't show up, like we don't even have the police anymore, right? Like now it's like, I just needed like a magic laser to solve my problem, right? I think it feels like that. I've been in that arena in San Francisco and like it's, they're accustomed to just majesty, right? They're accustomed to just like, they go and have a very expensive drinks at halftime and then they have announcements to say, please remember to go to back to the basketball game <laughs> like because everybody's having such a good time being billionaires and mixing and, oh, oh my God, you look great. Oh, you know. And then uh, they come out and it's like, oh, we want everything again. Oh, amazing. Like we're going to get in our Teslas and drive home now, right? Like there's a certain kind of just like can't fail like feeling there, right? Which is very different. Like these are not the best equipped psyches for we got to get gritty, right? Um, And I think there's a little bit of that, right? Where it's like, you know, yes, the arena seemed very... um well, this freaked out, right? And yes, and I like for it. Sure. Actually, this is more fun, honestly. Like I'm not a Lance Armstrong fan, big doper, kind of an evil guy. But I was very impressed that after he won a bunch of championships and he gained some weight, like he went back and performed in the Tour de France, like as not the best rider. And I think he said some stuff about he wanted his kids to see him, and it was just like a kind of portrait of effort. Like here's like a he might have been 37. Here's like mm -hmm. an older guy getting dropped. And still fighting, 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 fighting. Like it's for me as a sports fan, it's like more relatable, right? This feels like this feels like what working out feels like for us, right? We're like, I didn't win a trophy, <laughs> but I did go to the gym, you know. Um, like so, I like it. I like this era. Like, and I was gonna say earlier um, that, like, you know, this whole LeBron era of superstars probably will never win another championship. All of them, right? Like all these thirty-six-year-old right. plus. Um, just the stats are that twenty-five-year-olds are better anyway. And, you know, most of them aren't in good situations. But Steph's, you know, at the young end of that generation. But he's like, last shot, right? Like, like let's see if you can be the, the best player on a championship team. Maybe, maybe not. Like, let's watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm, if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm having, uh, I'm having my players watch some of the Avengers movies. And I'm saying, boys, suit up. That's what Captain America used to say, suit up. Because Jalen Brunson's coming. I hate that nasty son of a bitch. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith 
Oh, man. Really, guards. I loved him coming out of college. Luka is better than anyone we have faced since LeBron. Uh, and he doesn't like us. Like, there, there is no joy in playing with Luka until the series is over. Because he just wants to embarrass you. And suit up. Like, to, to Henry's amazing point, the way he illustrated it, like, it, we live in a Blake great place, and everyone's driving Teslas. It was a magical land of milk and honey. <laughs> but this team we're playing from Dallas, it, we, we're just as happy to punch you right in the mouth to win a game. Yeah. And then to get to the finals, same thing, to win the finals. Miami and Boston are very comfortable to punch you in the mouth to win a game. And, and will, many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's going to happen a lot. Um, uh, yeah, Miami has that to do that, it yet. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Right, Dallas right, now. right. Yeah. right. Um, I, I think Dallas is going to come in. like they, they, Now they're, they're the upset team. I know they'll want to be greedy and win more. They should. But um, mission accomplished in a sense. Right? They've already done what no one thought they could do. Uh, and they did it. Remember, they started the playoffs without Luka. And mm-hmm. they split with, with, with the Jazz. They were down 2-1 in that series, if I believe. Two, down 2-1. Two, yeah. Yeah. So they, I, they proved themselves more than capable. Golden State needs to give them every – and I think they will. I don't think that'll be – they won't look past them, whatever. But can they manufacture that fight? That's – we need to see that. And, and because I tell you something. I'm normally not a guy who thinks – like, I think Boston can lose game one and be fine. Golden State loses game one, I'm a lot more concerned. The Dallas, they're just that – they're just kind of – they found a, a role now, and they're going to be tough to beat. And they're, they're confident now, too, right? Yeah. That's the thing. And, yeah. like, that, you know, confidence is a mother. That time, um, yeah. we have, like, two minutes left. Um, Jason Kidd was not a distinguished coach in Brooklyn, right? There was a big mess, what happened there. We could talk about that for mm-hmm. hours. Um, and then in Milwaukee, I felt like he kind of fell in love with the idea of creating in Michael Carter-Williams in the image of himself, right? And it was, like, it didn't work. But, like, right. David, you always say you have to allow that people can grow and develop, right? Like, He's evidently a very good coach now, um, right? What happened here? I don't know, other than um, that what, having, having coached players who became coaches and still doing it now, the, the jump is hard. It's a very different world. It's 8 to 10 to 12 hours a day watching tape and breaking stuff down. That's the NBA player goes hard as hell for two and a half, three hours a day and then sits on ice and has really smart people working on their bodies all the time. And there's a talent to be able to just to not go stir crazy while you're doing nothing but sitting in an ice bath, whatever. Well, as a coach, that only gets you destroyed. you got to work and work and work and find and find and tweak and tweak and collaborate with, with your coaches. And Jason Kidd was a genius player, genius, genius player. And it, it's now, I think he's understood. Like, if you know Phoenix as well as you did, it didn't have my accident. You had to put in the work. And my guess is, he, my guess is he's figured that out. And, and he's gotten animated. Like I said, he's coaching harder. And uh, he's got his work cut out for him. And the other way, Golden State's just different. They're not as physical as what Dallas uh, uh, is, I think. But um, I mean, they're capable of it. They got Draymond. Draymond and Looney are not soft. Clay is not soft. Steph is not soft. Some of the other guys are going to have to grow up fast. They've never done this before. That'll be cool to watch on both teams. A lot of these guys have never gone through this except for the core guys, the Warriors. That'll be fun to watch, too, in game one and see how they do. It's like the best time of the year for NBA fans. Um, Looking forward to it. Thank you, Gerard. Thank you, David. See you guys on Friday.